Erica, have you ever heard of Tiger Cruise? Starring Hayden Panettiere. How? No, shut up. Did you hear really. us? Or did you know that? No, I knew that. How did I miss it's this? It's the one where they're on. How did you? I I actually do want to know how you missed I know, this. This is really off brand for It me was like they this. made a huge deal out of the premiere of Kirk. I know. We just Googled it. I'm looking at it and it's crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if the U.S. government paid for part of the budget. Yeah. That would honestly be kind of iconic. Uh, good times. I miss when we all loved each other, except people that looked like someone that came from Al-Qaeda. <laughs> that came out wrong. I think I meant to say Muslim people. Remember that? We were like, we love Americans. And we were like hey, racist towards everyone else that wasn't American. That was like the beginning of like the anti-everyone else, I feel. Um, I, I think it's been going on for quite a other while. Than, other than slavery. <laughs> I think it was it was pretty like accepted for everybody to hate yeah. anybody from the or Middle be scared East for of them. like a good solid two so years before people started saying maybe this is kind of fucked. Remember when we stopped calling them French fries and we started calling them? Yes, I was fries? all about that. I feel like that was all like during that period of time too. How Republican of me! I was obsessed with that, and like we, people like wouldn't drink Evian water because it was French. What did, what did the French do to us? So stupid. And then the the Dixie Chicks got canceled. Because they were like, well, maybe George Bush is kind of a we're fraud. chicks now, Andrew, or we're going to cancel you. <laughs> I was talking in the past tense. I still call them the Dixie Chicks because fuck that, okay? That was the beginning of, like, artists, like, getting, like, like I feel like not the beginning of political statements of artists, but, like, in, like, the new age now of, like, post-2000 where, like, everyone gets canceled for everything. But they're iconic. Yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe that was the first modern cancellation. I don't know. They were like, I just watched something. Oh no, I saw them on tour last year and they were like showing footage of people burning their CDs and stuff from that era. So crazy. Well, it is 9-11 as we record this. By the time it comes out, it will no longer be 9-11. Just be back to business as usual. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised there aren't like sofa sales on 9-11. Someone today at work said, I can't believe there's no mattress sales, like joking. And then I was like, well, if there is, get me a twin. <laughs> 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 I love that. I think it's time to jump into this week's extra tacky episode of the Hellscape Carousel. <music> Tiffany blue skinny jeans, chevron sequin tops, jeggings. Each of these pieces were absolute icons in their heyday. I can literally still imagine the Pinterest post to this day, including the white woman with the beach waves in that gray flowy shirt with the little dream catcher on it. Real ones now. I even remember a new segment on the hot new trend of skinny jeans. You probably also remember back to school shopping. And if you were like me, the Macy's teen section was literally your mecca. Like many other things, the concept of buying once per season in a physical location is out and buying a small boutique's worth of clothes from the comfort of your own bed is in. If you haven't guessed yet, I'm going to be absolutely raging about fast fashion in this episode and deservedly so. Fast fashion is not just a problem, but it's an exponentially growing problem. The World Bank estimates that by 2030, the fast fashion industry is expected to grow by 65%. It also doesn't help that Satan and Ronald Reagan teamed together to help facilitate a deal between OG fast fashion queen Forever 21 and hot new girl Sheen back in late August. This deal would bring Sheen off the internet and into your local Forever 21 
so you can try before you overbuy. In today's episode, we will be mentioning Shein a lot as they are the biggest contributor to the fast fashion crisis. And on an unrelated note, also sold Nazi paraphernalia, which like we don't talk about. But brands like Zara, H&M, and even e-commerce brands like Boohoo are just as bad. An article from Medium wrote, quote, H&M and Zara introduced pieces by tracking trends and going through a three-week process to come out with new designs. Sheen is able to use real-time data to cut this process to five to seven days. So, yes, there are other brands, but Sheen is undoubtedly the best at what they do, but at a much, much lower price point. We're talking $2 shirt versus $10 shirt. But regardless, Sheen is not the entire fast fashion industry. She's just the it girl of the moment. I also think it's important to point out that the people at the root of this issue are the ones who can afford $300 clothing hauls because they just simply want to follow with the latest trend. The core of the issue is not the fact that these companies sell cheap clothes. The issue is that through overconsumption, we've created an environment where brands like Sheen can thrive. Fast fashion is not a few stores or brands. It is an industry, and it is an industry that comes with both a human and environmental cost that we should no longer be forced to pay. That was a whole lot of words, uh, but what I took away from it is that I really hate the word jeggings. Girl, we hate looking at you in jeggings. <laughs> Which means that Andrew's ADHD literally did not surpass the first sentence. <laughs> not even close. Not even close. But like, isn't it crazy how you can so vividly, even like I talk about a lot with um, viral videos, we can remember those things because they weren't happening so rapidly. Like I remember for a full calendar year, hunting high and low for those fucking Tiffany blue jeans and they could only be Tiffany blue. No other that color. so ugly. And I know, but I love Tiffany it. blue is just not, I don't want that ever to come back. I think this phrase Tiffany blue is such a wild way to just say fucking Robin's egg. I name my daughter Tiffany blue. Your daughter's going to be a stripper, Kirk. <laughs> Literally. We like strippers. My sister had a Tiffany-themed bachelor, uh, bridal shower in like 2008. So that's kind of what I'm thinking of when I went to vomit. Because I had a Tiffany blue shirt on. I remember it. Because I'm gay. Because I'm gay. Like, fast fashion's always been around, but we didn't really talk about it. Like, literally 10 years ago. I feel like it wasn't talked about the same way that it is now. Because people didn't realize yeah. the implications of it. I mean, when you also think about it, though, like, I remember being in middle school and, like, my parents took us on, like, a day trip to L.A. And that was my first time seeing an H&M. And it's not like I lived in the middle of nowhere. I was in San yeah, Diego. Wait, so like also H&M's used to be the fucking shit. Like they would have all of their rooms organized by like accessory color. But that's to say, I think it's because a lot of these companies are now forced to keep up with Shein. And like, right. I think there's brands like it. So like, I think it's changed it. In my mind, when I think of fast fashion, first I think of Shein and Amazon, everyone on Amazon and for the most part. And um, the Boohoo and Fashion Nova, because in my mind, it's like the internet. They're like these internet stores. They don't like really exist physically. They're not brick and mortar stores. But those brick and mortar stores also are fast fashion. I think it just, in my mind, like the worst fast fashion is Shein. But in theory, what's the difference between that and that of an Abercrombie or an American Eagle or an H&M? I do think it's important to call out the fact that like one of the defining parts of fast fashion is really the speed in which they are releasing new yeah. lines. Cause like when you think about it, not that Gucci is a good brand by any stretch of the imagination, but 
Gucci is not doing a new drop a week no. because that's just not how they're made. But like even Zara, like I said, they take a few weeks to get there. Yeah, but Zara is still fast fashion. It is, but it's, it, that's the thing though. It is fast fashion, but like that is to say that that's the kind of the difference between a brand like, again, Gucci, where like they are moving slower. Anyone that's kind of outside of that seasonal model is considered fast fashion. Yeah. And I think that's where it really started to get off the rails and people started to pay more attention because the fastest fashion was H&M and Zara and PacSun and stuff like that. But still, that was a more, you know, every couple of months there would be new stuff. And then once internet stores like Shein came in, they're literally A-B testing product. If a product isn't selling well for a couple of weeks, they ax it and put something else in. Like yeah. it mm-hmm. is it is that fast that they're getting rid of stuff or, or trying new stuff. So if they take something off the store because it isn't selling well, like what do they do with all that product that was made? Into our landfills, baby. This reminded me of like, this isn't a unique version of fast fashion, but it's the same. I mean, it's, it's definitely fast fashion. When like a sport goes, or a sport, when a team goes to like a championship, like a bit, like a major league, it was like when teams go to the Super Bowl and they create millions of the uh-huh. other, both teams and one team wins, the other ones never get sold. Like they just mass produce something that's never going to be sold because it didn't, because it says like Super Bowl champion or, or Super Bowl champion, but then also the game before that, the, the NFC champion or the two series before that, when it's just their division, like all these things are produced, like what, what happens to that shit? And there's like millions of that produced. I will say that like, you know, we talk a lot about the Coke trash Island that's floating through the ocean. Ugh, our polar bears. Our pol- Remember our the polar, polar bears. bears. <laughs> That was like a great little clip. That we was did. a but great anyway, episode. You know, we talk a lot about actual trash in the oil industry, but textile, hey, you can't cut a shirt without there being any type of waste to it. That's just how it goes. And so it is an industry that is just designed to waste. And unfortunately, you do have instances where, you know, for a football game, we're making millions of shirts that are literally useless. And who the fuck knows where they go? Because I've never seen anyone in them. But I think it's also, you know, there is a benefit of that's maybe four rounds of doing that per year where Sheen is doing that, you know, by the second. Yeah. Um, And I think it is so unfortunate that we even have the need to do this. Like, I can wait an extra two days to get a shirt. Like, you don't have to win the championship. And I'm wearing that shirt right then, right now. Right. Like, give it a week. I mean, it's not that, you know, like we can start making them. Kirk, I know that you are the second trendiest out of all of us, me being first. Also, I hate the word trendy. Don't you hate it? It's so gay. It's so gay. Like (laughs) I have my friend Kelly, um, like my literal best friend. I when we were like 15, if that wasn't that word was super popular and she was in my phone still is as trendy diva. No, it's so cringe, but that's what I called her when I was 15 because we like thought we were, we were like, we're so trendy in our Tiffany blue shirts. I will be honest. I do hear the word trendy and like, I don't know why, but my brain just defaults to like someone's black auntie and like, yes, a whole bunch of bright colors and animal prints. Yes. And like a hat, a hat like, a, like a, a conductor hat. That's yes. like gemstones on it with like a brim. Yes. And I know she walked out of that house and she said, I fucking ate. And you know what? In her way, she did. Yeah. Kirk, I know you're kind of tuned in to what's happening out there with the youths. So can you kind of walk us through? <laughs> Just call me a pedophile. The rise. <laughs> <laughs> 
You did. I did. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Speaking of things that fell out of trend, does anyone remember Musical.ly? Musical.ly is quite literally TikTok before it got some work done. <laughs> and it was just an app that bored suburban teens used to poorly lip sync to music. You'll be just as shocked as I was to learn that Musical.ly formed into TikTok in late 2018 and didn't really catch on until the pandemic. Once the pandemic hit, the whole world was compressed down to solely existing on the internet. Still kind of are. So many of us took naturally to spending hours on TikTok scrolling through to see all the ways people were entertaining themselves through the lockdown. It felt like there was a new viral video, sound, or dance every day, from the renegade trend that white people stole from black creators to the feta and tomato pasta that black people didn't even try to tough. We were being inundated with viral trends every single time we opened up the app. And with that came the rise of viral fashion trends. All of a sudden, Gen Z was dressing like it was 2003, and their mom told them they could buy whatever they wanted with a $50 budget at Kohl's. TikTok ultimately gave birth to the concept of the micro-trend. From cottage core to coastal grandma, those trends come and go as quickly as the men I date. <laughs> I don't think they're coming very quickly. <laughs> Not with those oh, snacks. Girl. As though as these micro-trends pop up, larger brands that go by a traditional seasonal model can't keep up with the ever-changing demands. This is where brands like Shein thrive. By keeping costs low through the use of slave labor in countries with lax employment laws and the use of cheap environmentally damaging materials like polyester, these brands have the means to constantly put out new products to meet ever-changing demands at a rate of 2,000 to 10,000 new products per month. Erica and Andrew, what about TikTok makes it so easy for these trends to grow, especially compared to legacy social media sites like Twitter and Instagram? I think... Andrew doesn't even use TikTok. As a matter of fact, you don't? Andrew oh. using TikTok is Andrew sending us an Instagram reel of a TikTok that we that saw, we saw a month ago. ago. But Instagram is also where it happened because there was like a period like two years ago where every single influencer on there, every post they made was a Fashion Nova post. That was Instagram, yeah. And like it got to a point where it still is today, like where it's not even just it's not even just social people, like social influencers. It's like musicians and like like rappers. Yeah, and like, like legitimate. Cardi B had like a legit, line Yeah, it was with like them. Cardi. Like they have like collabs and like legit sponsored posts by not just not that influencers are not legit, but not just influencers, like like you know artists that are beyond social. And um, you're correct, Andrew. That's a really interesting point because that was like an Instagram first type thing. But I think it's just the idea of like the way social works now is when there is a trend, the trend becomes the trend, and the trend gets bigger, and then everyone jumps on it. So like mm-hmm. it's more possibility for things to spread whether it be fashion or whatever it may be and most of my girlfriends mainly is, and I guess some of my guy friends too but a lot of my basic ass white bitches will be like oh God, like whether it's makeup or, or whatever but it's like this is the sweat they just call it like the t- TikTok sweater or TikTok pants or TikTok yes. like, like they don't even say the brand they don't even like there's no brand recognition it's just like because I saw this on TikTok and it's like the TikTok thing right now and it happens with makeup too um and some other things that help, like, you know, the good things for sure. But a lot of the time it's like, this is this TikTok sweater that usually is from Amazon. I will say like eight out of 10 times it's an Amazon purchase. Well, that's the thing. You can't give it a bra- a name because it's not like a brand. And Amazon It'll can't even be... give it a name because it's usually like black sweatshirt made out of yarn from a woman Amazon in Ohio. Basics. Like that's fucking... I remember the, uh, the TikTok leggings. Like that was a big thing. Like, oh the... my God. 
I, did, I didn't think leggings. Yeah, I didn't understand what. Like, I Bro, think it was just all manufactured. I'll be honest. I knew someone who had a pair of who wore a pair of those TikTok leggings, and she had no ass. And she was like, "Oh my god, I have an ass!" And I was like, "Baby girl, it is actually worse that you're wearing that." Like the fact that those leggings were supposed to give you an ass, and I'm still looking at two pancakes sitting next to each other. Like, retire them. <laughs> International House of Pancakes over here. <laughs> Maybe the difference between like Fashion Nova and Sheen is because I remember with Fashion Nova, like a celebrity would be on a red carpet or at a premiere or something and wear some high fashion. And then yeah. all the Fashion Nova girlies mm-hmm. would have the Fashion Nova knockoff that was very clearly looked very much like a knockoff when you saw them side by side. And that's how they were doing the trends. But it almost seems like Sheen is like setting the trends now. It's one of those things where it's a little bit chicken before the egg. Some of them do originate via Sheen in that there will be like it's a trend now to just go online, spend five hundred dollars at Sheen, which is about three closets worth of clothes. I was gonna say, that's a lot of money at Sheen. Oh, my gosh. I've seen so many like this one. I mean, they tend to all be the same. Right. And I, it's the one big caveat that I want to attach to this episode is we're not talking about those who use Sheen because that is where they can afford to get clothes or where that's where clothes fit them. It's these people who are doing these mega hauls of $500 of clothes that if you look through the halls, there's maybe five or six things that they're like, oh, this was worth it. Like I'm keeping this. First of all, I don't even know where they're sending it. Like it's not like Sheen has this luxurious return policy like Nordstrom, like you have 30 seconds to get that shit back to the factory. And even then they throw it out. As soon as it leaves the factory, it's, it's out of date basically. Yeah. One time I remember I got a, like an Instagram ad for this like brand that doesn't exist. And I ordered like $200 worth of clothes. And the, what came to me was so insane. Like so insane. So you're the problem. Like, I don't even know if it was, I don't even know if it was clothes. Like it was like, just like material. (laughs) Like it was like, make it yourself. Like it was so insane. I was like, I'm never buying anything on the internet ever again. I mean, that's a good point though. This stuff is so cheaply made. Like the only way that, that they'd be able to make money is to make this stuff for the absolute lowest, lowest cost of material and labor so it's it's like worthless clothing. It's like almost I've, I've heard people call it one time use clothing. And I think that's true. Like, it, like, you know, all of us used to buy H&M back in the day before we knew anything about it. It was just like, holy shit, you can go in here and buy a button up shirt for like eight dollars. Poor. I buy H&M when I feel like this tank top is probably from H&M. I mean, that's the thing, though, right? Like, we're not talking about like I need a basic or yeah, and they did that. Stuff I need well. a shirt. But it was like yeah. none of the H&M. Well, I should say uh, most of the H&M stuff I bought over the years has not lasted. Oh, no, fully no. But oh, no, God, like, no. I have jeans. I haven't bought jeans ever. Ever the last pairs of jeans I bought probably all started ripping a few years ago. But they probably lasted for like two years a year. The jeans maybe like maybe. But they were 30 yeah. bucks. So you're like, whatever. I'm only spending 30 bucks on these pairs of jeans to wear a handful of times. I'm looking on the Shein website right now. I've never been on Shein. First of all, this website is scary. Like, there's so much happening, and the graphics are a choice. I don't even want to go on the website because I know it's going to absolutely fuck up my ad algorithm. Well, I don't like going on it because, oh I mean, ever God. since they did the fucking um, swastika, I was out. I mean, I was never in. Can we talk about like- that? So, I, l- listen, obviously, 
<laughs> this is going to come as a surprise to no one. I am not the most fashionable man in existence. <gasps> I thought you were just about to say, I'm not the most fascist man in existence. <laughs> there's oh, fast fashion and then there's fascist fashion. Period. Exactly. And hey, you know what? Hugo Boss ate in World War II. <gasps> I have to go. Yes, they made the Nazi uniforms. That's kind of a sleigh. What? I'm actually amazed you guys don't know this. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yes, Nazis, like they ate. Like, okay, I think America was cool too. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so Hugo Boss was an active member of the Nazi party from 1931 and remained so until Nazi Germany's capitula- capitulation. Capitulation? What a word. Capitulation? Oh, that one too. They've really rebranded, I guess. Look at that. They made it through <laughs> yeah. they made it through World War II. It's kind of impressive. Mercedes was making uh, all kinds of military hardware for them. Okay, the we need to talk more about this. This is a new episode of brands that apparently were Nazis. I didn't know this was a thing. I think we should really take a minute to step back and recognize how much Andrew seems to know about Nazis. Uh, well, you're not shocked about that. His, his nickname is actually Charles McBride. So, <laughs> <laughs> are you leaving that? Also, in my phone, Charles Nazi. Yeah, we're leaving. He's not going to fucking listen to this. That's true. A little inside joke for the longtime listeners. Anyway, back to TikTok. So, I think, you know, one of the reasons why TikTok has been such a leader in all of this is mainly because I think TikTok has a little has a pretty impressive algorithm. Yeah. I think Instagram's is good, but it's still a little fucked. But like TikTok is on the money. Literally. Literally. But it's also the people. Like we can blame TikTok. We can also blame people for just like <laughs> the influencers. Buying, like not even just like pushing shitty stuff on people. Like well, so that's that's kind of the issue with TikTok, though, right, is, you know, I am someone who loves fashion and I love clothing. And so because of that, I'm being inundated with all of these yeah, things that are yeah. very trend forward. And, you know, my algorithm, I think, fortunately, has geared towards slow fashion, but I'll still get a video come across where this girl's wearing this outfit and I'm like, wow, that's such a cute outfit. And then she links it in her like to know. and the whole outfit is from Sheen. And it's like, wow, that is a cute outfit, but I don't want to buy it. Whereas someone else is definitely looking at it saying, wow, this is a cute outfit and I can buy it for 20 bucks. And I think that is where you see a very big difference. And that's also to say that Instagram didn't have reels in the early aughts of the pandemic. And so TikTok kind of was that place where you could see you know, 30 second, I think, to a minute long videos where people would be talking about their clothes and it was a lot easier to scroll through it and keep consuming it. And also there's like TikTok has that ephemeral nature. I feel like with Instagram, old stuff surfaces up through the algorithm all the time. Posts you've already seen or somebody's reposted something from another account, whereas TikTok is very in the moment. Like as soon as it's old, it's gone. And I think that feeds these fast fashion brands where as soon as something falls off in sales, it falls off from the influencers and being at the top of the algorithm, they ditch it and they move on to the next thing super quickly. I'm on Sheen's website right now and like I didn't even realize how low the prices are. It's mind-blowing to me that you could even make a shirt for this price just in materials alone. Yeah. 
Well, that's the thing. You really, the cost of materials, I would say, is probably a good chunk of what's spent on it because it is certainly not on labor. You know, these people are being paid. I think it comes out to like a few cents per garment. And so when you look at it, if you were getting a designer dress, you're probably paying, say, $40 worth of labor per item versus seven cents worth of labor per item. They use really shitty, cheap materials, lots of synthetic materials. And then on top of that, they can create so many savings with the low cost of human labor. And I'm going to set the record straight on this. There is absolutely no way to create a product that is more complex in a simple t-shirt without human hands. I know we're going to talk about it in the next episode, but that influencer trip and they were talking about how there's a lot of machines and automations, but A, that's bullshit. But B, there's no way to create clothes without having human hands under a machine. And let me tell you, a lot of those machines get real fucking hot and it is real uncomfortable. Erica, you make your own clothing. How long does a typical shirt take to make? Not not a t-shirt, but just your average shirt. Yeah, like a almost like a blouse-ish. Yeah. Say I'm not patterning, which is a whole nother process. Between cutting, measuring, cutting, putting it together, fucking something up, testing it on your body, trying to resize it, fucking that up, and then fixing it. I would say eight hours wouldn't be abnormal for the average decent sewer. And you're getting paid cents for that work. Yes. And these people, I will say, have come to the point where they do work like machines, unfortunately, and that like, A, they're using incredibly high-powered sewing machines that are meant to sew through anything um, at a much faster rate than the average sewing machine. And then on top of that, it's very process driven. So one person is doing this part of the shirt. Another person is picking up the next part of the shirt. So it is a very automated process in how these people do work where they're just churning and burning. I will also say like I was at a like a a charity thing on Monday for service thing. And it was like a um, food service type thing. And I was in like an assembly line for lack of a better word for two hours doing the same thing over and over again with packaging food. And like my back was killing me by the end of it. And I like it's the cost of their bodies to these people that like like for two hours I was like this is ridiculous. And all I was doing was like scooping something. Like imagine like you're making the same motion constantly at whatever part of the line you're in for this piece of clothing and like the cost of the effect on people's bodies, which is also not accounted for. fast fashion is a major contributor to why we're all about to be forced to LARP as Mad Max characters in a few years. But let's quantify how much our planet is absolutely fucked. According to the UN, fast fashion is responsible for 8-10% to of global emissions, which is an enormous amount. That's more than all international flights and the entire maritime shipping industry combined. But still less than all of the emissions from the private jets going to Burning Man. (laughs) 
at the same time, the manufacturing of the many cheap synthetic materials used by fast fashion brands requires 342 million barrels of oil a year, and clothing production requires 43 million tons of other chemicals per year. Not to mention the absolutely insane amount of water needed for the production of these clothes. Many brands are participating in greenwashing by stating that their products use sustainable materials or that they use sustainable production practices. For the most part, these claims are absolute fucking bullshit, or are only half-truths at best. It's pretty obvious that fast fashion is pretty fucking awful, but why do you guys think people are still buying from these brands despite knowing how bad they are? Because they don't know how to fucking dress, so they just throw a whole bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. Tacky bitches. It's just consumerism, right? Like, people just want that thrill of buying something new, having that new thing, and maybe wearing it once. But I think that really got turbocharged during the pandemic when everyone was home for months and months on end, and you're getting bored, you're getting depressed, what are you going to do? Spend a fuck ton of money. I mean, the only connection to the outside world a lot of people had really was what they were ordering and getting shipped to them. Well, I also think like these are the main places. I mean, like some like the average person more than the average, like majority of the world can only afford fast fashion. It's just the truth. Like it's what most people could afford. And I think that's kind of where this argument has a lot of nuance to it. Right. I think that it's really easy to say, well, why don't you support a brand, you know, a small independent brand. I can't even afford to support those brands. If I, yeah. I do it every to, once in a while, but like, it's hard yeah, to keep but it's up like with. A, like I bought a tank top from this designer Kingsley, who's really awesome in New York. And he's like a black queer um, designer and the tank top, which is beautiful. And it's great quality. It was $180, a tank top, a tank top that like, that like I would probably get for $10 in H and M that like I got through him. Cause it's a really cool design, all this stuff. And I, and I'm not, I don't regret spending that much money, but like, I can't, I can do that like once a year. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. It's so hard to, you know, keep up with trends if because sometimes these trends are started by people who are wearing clothing from legitimate slow fashion brands. Um, But those people have the means to do so. And then there are people who want to mimic that look who don't have the means to do so. And I think that at the crux of this is an issue of over consumerism. It is not that people are going to these websites and buying clothes for them because Sheen isn't new, but the issue has gotten worse because people are feeling driven to overpurchase. And I think that, you know, there are people in this argument who do get hurt. There are people who, you know, I am not a straight sized person. You're not straight. Oh, sorry. You're not, we already we had we that episode. We have an episode about that. <laughs> Do LGBTQ plus people wear different size clothing? Yeah, we were. <laughs> yeah, extremely today. tight, revealing clothing that gets you yelled at at work. That's me. <laughs> Kirk is not over that. But I digress. You know, I am not a straight sized person. And so when I'm looking for a dress or something to wear online, if I'm looking up red dress size 14, oftentimes Sheen comes up. Red when it goes, red dress. Red dress. <laughs> anyway. But when I looked that up, Sheen is kind of top of the results because they have it. And on top of that, it's the cheapest thing, right? So I don't know how the Google algorithm works, but I'm assuming that they put cheap shit first. So that's to say that, you know, for some people, Sheen is the most 
accessibility they have to the fashion world. But the people that are the problem are the ones who just don't need to buy that much. Right. $500 at Sheen versus $500 at another brand is still $500. And so is it that you're just buying to buy or are you buying because you need to fill a need that's in your closet? No, they're buying because they don't want to be Lizzie McGuire outfit repeater. Lizzie McGuire, you are an outfit repeater. That was the most millennial thing I think I've ever said. I'm uh, looking at Sheen's supply chain transparency statement on their website and it's, it's pretty funny. I mean, it, it reads like legal boilerplate. They have stuff in here about how they're committed to safe working environments and they pay their manufacturers competitively so that the manufacturers can support the uh, employees with fair wages. Like they have this whole section in here about working hours and voluntary overtime It says, at Sheehan, we are committed to promoting reasonable working hours. We are dedicated to upholding the following principles. Reasonable working hours. We advocate for reasonable working hours that enable workers to have sufficient rest outside of work. We encourage manufacturers to establish policies and practices that promote balanced working hours, taking into account the specific nature of their operations and local regulations. But all this shit's a cop-out. They can say all day long that they encourage the manufacturers they partner with and they advocate for reasonable working hours. But what does that really mean? And, and saying that they, they pay their suppliers competitively so that their suppliers can then have enough money to pay reasonable wages to their workers. Maybe it's true that Shein is paying a competitive price to the suppliers to make the clothing for them whatever competitive might mean, but that doesn't guarantee that those suppliers are, are passing that money onto the workers in any way. And I think that's a big problem with not just fast fashion, but manufacturing in general these days, is that all of these companies hide behind their separation from their suppliers, mm-hmm. right? Every company out there has a commitment to diversity and a commitment to safety and fair wages and Blah, 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 blah. But there's always those stories. North Face jackets are being made in an illegal sweatshop in Sri Lanka. And they claim, we didn't know that that supplier was doing that. We partnered with this manufacturer and then that manufacturer hired this sweatshop. It wasn't on us. And I don't know if that specifically happened with North Face um, before anybody tries to sue us. Um, but that's just an example. <laughs> that type of stuff does happen all the time. There's there's that sort of reasonable deniability that they want in their supply chain so that when the manufacturing partner turns around and, and works with a sweatshop or a place that is not up to the right regulations, there's that firewall between the big brand name that we all know and purchase stuff from and where that product is actually being made. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that people are even interested in looking more into it as well. And so it's kind of a twofold thing where, yeah, they can say, oh, well, you know, it's not our fault that this supplier is running a full-blown sweatshop and employing child labor and there's dangerous conditions. We didn't know that. But then on the other side, no one is ever going past the actual Sheen warehouse. And so anything beyond that, no one is asking more questions about because, well, 
that's not Sheen, that's another company. So why do we need to hold them responsible? But let's be honest, it doesn't matter how much money you give a corporation. If you were to inject $20 million into a corporation, they're still going to pay their employees the same. They're just going to pocket that $20 million. And we all know that. I mean, I think there is a lot of cognitive dissonance that goes into purchasing from these brands, especially um, to the scale that people do purchase from these brands. None of us are exempt from this. You know, we all read those stories about employees at Foxconn, which is one of the biggest contract manufacturers of electronic devices in the world. And they make a lot of the parts that go into iPhones and assemble iPhones. You know, we all heard those stories about them having to put up nets to catch people trying to commit suicide Mm -hmm. as they jumped out of the dorms that they were basically forced to live in. They were basically forced to live at the factory. And yet here I am ignoring the episode I should be recording by scrolling on my iPhone. Yeah, Kurt. Um, and me. And that's the thing. It's it's hard because, you know, if we look at everything, there's a reason we are the hellscape carousel, right? No matter how much the carousel turns, there's still something shitty. And I think that the more that we do dig into these things, the bleaker it starts to feel. And so I know that it is generally against podcast policy to offer any advice because famously we are all idiots. But I did want to end today's episode with some of the ways I've tried to lessen my clothing consumption while still eating you bitches up on the daily and throwing fits like a fucking toddler. The first is to do a closet audit. So whether you want to invite some friends over and have some wine or play some fun music, just go through your closet and get a better understanding of what's in your closet. Try on clothes, ask for advice and separate what you want from what you don't want. And really, when you know what's in your closet, it is so much easier to put an outfit together. I'm sure if we all went through our closets today, myself included, I'd say, oh, I completely forgot about this shirt. Then see if there are any local animal shelters that are accepting any type of scrap clothing donations or research companies that specifically manage clothing waste Um, or check the episode description. We'll have some helpful links down there as well. And if you don't want to toss it, then list it on Depop or Poshmark, organize a clothing swap with your friends. I've actually done kind of local clothing swaps that were organized by a small business called Raise Reusables that focuses on sustainable practices and sustainable materials. And it is totally okay to shop at brands that offer clothes at an incredibly low price point if you're purchasing responsibly. Whether you buy 100 dresses from a brand that is all about sustainability like Reformation or 100 dresses from a brand like Sheen, you're still contributing to the problem. Either way, it is 100 dresses that you don't need in your closet. The answer is not to buy this or not to buy that, but to simply buy less. Borrow if you can or find local Facebook groups that do clothing swaps. But being trendy is very expensive and honestly, it's not very fun. But being intentionally stylish is a fun way to be uniquely you without contributing to the slow and painful demise of the only known habitable planet in the universe. All right. Well, thank you for listening to us talk about fast fashion. I have to go hit up H&M for a few new tank tops, but I'm Kirk. I'm Andrew. And I'm Erica. Lizzie McGuire, you are an outfit repeater. Thank you for listening to Hellscape Carousel. If you like what you heard, leave a five-star review, subscribe, and follow us on social media. Stay tuned for more episodes. 